Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 191. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by Phil from Blueprint MCAT, formerly Next Step Test Prep. And let me tell you, if you are in the market for full-length exams for the MCAT, you need, you need, you need Blueprint MCAT exams. You really need the AAMC exams. And if you need more, Blueprint is the next place to go. A informal poll on Reddit shows that students love Blueprint exams. Again, formerly Next Step Test Prep. So you'll you'll see students talking about Next Step a lot on Reddit. But Blueprint is their name. Don't forget it. Um, they... Students love blueprint exams. They they mimic the real tests the best. They mimic kind of the scoring the best. They have a ton of data because so many students use blueprint exams. Again, go check them out, blueprintprep.com. We're going to continue our discussion and breakdown of one of those full lengths, actually full length one, which you can get for free by going to blueprintprep.com and get that uh, get that exam. Let's go ahead and jump in, and we're going to continue our breakdown of our chem fizz section, passage seven. Phil, back for some more MCAT podcast. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I managed to avoid all the combustion reactions of the Fourth of July. <laughs> um, didn't didn't get burned uh, physically. You know, avoiding the corona, avoiding the you know explosives. Yeah, it's this fine boundary. I pretend like I don't actually just love fireworks. <laughs> I personally like i'm all about it i like sold fireworks for a job for years but nice um now i'm pretending to be an upstanding citizen <laughs> i'm i'm interested to see uh since so many fireworks shows were shut down this year and so many people went and bought their own fireworks i mean it was just it was crazy seeing uh even here in boulder in colorado just amazing just like fireworks every everywhere um I'd, I'd be interested to see i haven't seen any reports on er visits and amputations with fingers and stuff like that which are always always an issue on fourth of july but I, i'd assume even more so this year just because everyone went rogue this is self-fireworking yeah st <laughs> patty's day and fourth of july those are the busy days yep. in, the, in the er yep Cool. All right. So we're continuing Blueprint MCAT, formerly Next Step Test Prep. Uh, we're continuing full length one, which students can get for free 
by going to blueprintprep.com and getting all of those free goodies. Uh, we're continuing our breakdown here of the chem fizz section, running on into passage seven. Yeah, we're over the halfway point, so just kind of like keep ticking along. Um, I'm going to be sad when we get out of the chemistry physics because that's <laughs> my favorite stuff, but we, we got more good stuff coming up. Nice. But yeah, so we have this uh, passage here about neurotoxins. Um, latherism. So why don't we go ahead and just kind of like hop right in, you know, not dawdle and, uh, and see where this goes. Let's go. So latherism is one of the oldest known neurotoxic diseases and results from excessive consumption of the chickling pea, latherus sativus. The disease is primarily restricted to India, Bangladesh, and Ethiopia, and is co- relatively common in communities suffering from poverty and malnutrition, where few other food options are available. Elsativus has been shown to contain the neurotoxic amino acid beta-N-oxalyl A, beta-diaminopropionic acid, or beta-ODAP. It's a lot easier way to say that. (laughs) Beta-ODAP. That's cool. Beta-ODAP, which is suspected to induce neurotoxic effects by serving as a structural analog of glutamate, the major excitatory neurotransmitter of the central nervous system. Couple of things going on in my brain as I'm reading through this. Alarm bells are going off about amino acids, right? Yep. They're relating this to glutamate, and they say that this is a neurotoxic amino acid. And so, amino acids are the single highest yield thing I can think of on test day. So we always care a ton about that. And then we're also talking about neuro stuff, so neurotransmitters and glutamate, which is kind of got this double duty as both a neurotransmitter and an amino acid. Important mm. to know that those are not mutually exclusive. So it's it's both an amino acid and a neurotransmitter. And this thing is also that um, and tends to inhibit this glutamate. Okay. So we have some structure here. We got the glutamate. We got the beta ODAP. I'm not even going to try to say that again. Um, <laughs> they so look similar at similarity. glance. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of overall, they're definitely going to ask us some questions about these structures. It's hard to predict what that's going to be until we see the question, but that's something we can kind of see coming down the pipeline. Yep. So a group of scientists in India hypothesized that sulfur-containing amino acids have a protective effects against beta-ODAP toxicity after observing that populations with sulfur-deficient diets appear to be predisposed to more severe neurologic degradation after eating l sativus. Note that they don't tell us what amino acids were sulfur-containing. They just say... These sulfur-containing amino acids, I can see a question coming. They're going to be asking about that, mm. which ones contain sulfur. There's two of them. We'll hold off on that until we see a question, hopefully. So to investigate the physiologic response to beta-ODAP consumption, the researchers brought in three healthy volunteers whose diets were considered to be rich in sulfur. The volunteers were instructed to fast for 12 hours and then given 150 grams of cooked l sativus seeds to eat. This seems like, I, I wonder if, they, I don't know if they do this in the U.S. where we're like, well, this thing's a neurotoxin. We're just going to just like feed some people. Um, um, Phil, have, do you not know of the, our great water experiment? They're giving us a neurotoxin uh, every day with fluoride. Oh, that's right. Yes, <laughs> of course. Um, so, continuing on, the volunteers' <laughs> plasma concentrations of methionine were recorded every hour. After ten hours, the research or the volunteers were provided a meal with several whole eggs, which each contained approximately 400 milligrams of methionine per 100 grams of weight. Three more hourly measurements were recorded as well as a measurement at time equals 24 hours. The results of their study can be found in figure two. And then we got figure two, which shows us some of this like time frame here. 
So what are your thoughts kind of like just looking at the graph overall? So plasma concentration of methionine, as I'm looking at this, uh, I'm given the seeds, my plasma concentration precipitously goes down, right? After those seeds um, levels off a little bit, they give me some food which has methionine in it, and then it goes up, but not up to my baseline. So it'd be interesting to see how much longer it takes to get back up to that baseline. So you can potentially extrapolate from here that if I'm having these uh, L-sativus seeds every day um, and not replacing with my methionine, that my methionine is going down and down and down and down and down, potentially. Right, exactly, which is not going to be good. You know, an amino acid, we need to do stuff. Yep. Um, build proteins. So noticing that the meal, like it says in the passage that the meal had like 400 milligrams of methionine per 100 grams of eggs. And mm-hmm. we were given like multiple eggs here. Um, so I expect like the methionine should go up, right? We're, we're eating a lot of eggs mm-hmm. rich in methionine. Methionine levels still tend to stay pretty, pretty low, yeah. especially when you uh, factor in the confidence intervals. So those like little bars, everyone's always kind of like confused about. Yep. Um, the only way I can ever really explain this perfectly is to talk about like fishing stories, right? Like my <laughs> sister calls and tells me like, I caught a 70 pound fish. And mm. then my dad calls and says, I caught an, or your sister caught an 80 pound fish. My brother calls and says, your sister caught a 65 pound fish. I know this fish was not two pounds, yep. but it's probably somewhere between 50 and 80, right? Like it's somewhere in that range. Right? That's where like, I'm not confident. Exactly where it's at. Yeah, I'm confident it's in that range. Yeah. So noticing that like the, the number's somewhere in this range. I don't know where, but it's somewhere in this range. And so it's the same for all of these confidence intervals, which means that it is possible that from like six hours to 25 hours, it could have stayed the same mm. or could have even gone down. I don't. I know that number is somewhere in that confidence interval, but I don't know where it is. Yeah. So it's possible that it dropped over time. I, I cannot say it went up. I can't say it went down. I can't say anything really. I just know that it did go down from the initial part. So I take the the seeds. It drops. I eat the eggs. It doesn't. I can't say for certain that it goes up. It seems to still be pretty low after yeah. that. Okay. So confidence intervals are a little bit of a thorn in the side of a student where they want to look and be like really precise. Okay. So that finishes up the passage. Um, So we have this question 35. Latherism is known to target and degrade collagen in the lower limbs. Which pair of amino acids would best provide disulfide links to stabilize the folded form of collagen? Hmm. Here's the sulfur question. Yeah? Yeah. (sighs) So this is where you need to know your amino acids inside and out. You need to know the yeah. single letter, the three-digit letter, the everything, everything, everything. Yeah. So single-digit codes that give everyone a little bit of a hard time. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't remember my amino acids well enough to remember uh, what's going on here. Yeah. I feel like I had to like memorize, like binge and purge. I like memorized them and I forgot them like four or five times during my life. Yep. At this point, they're like well integrated. But um, so... C is going to be cysteine, M is going to be methionine, which they talked about a lot in the passage, Um, and then S is going to be serine. Mm -hmm. The serine thing is a trap. 
because they're asking about disulfide linkages. So you're thinking like, oh, two sulfurs. And then mm-hmm. you see answer choice D, which is serine and serine. And that looks like sulfur and sulfur, <laughs> but that's not, that's not what that's saying. Yeah. Um, serine just has like an alcohol group on it. It doesn't have a sulfur in it. But cysteine and methionine both have um, sulfurs in them. The methionine has a sulfur and then a methyl group, which is just like a carbon sticking off of it. Um, the cysteine has a thiol, which is a sulfur with a hydrogen. It's the names are based off of like alcohols. And so an alcohol would be OH, a thiol would be a sulfur version. So instead of the oxygen, it's a sulfur. There's also a thioether, which is just like an ether, only it's a sulfur instead of the oxygen. So looking at this, basically you just have to take away that, and you have to know this, right? Like you got to know these amino acids, <laughs> forwards, backwards, sideways, and you got to know that the only amino acids that can do disulfide bridges are cysteines. And so the answer is just going to be A from this point. Um, cysteine, cysteine, that's where we get all of our disulfide bridges. And that's just, you just have to know that, period. Yeah, just have to know that. Like, it, honestly, when it comes to topics on the MCAT, students will ask me, like, am I going to have, like, questions on the kidney? I'm like, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. You're going to get amino acid questions. You're yeah. you're going to get, like, five or six or eight of them. Yeah. So, um, it's definitely the highest yield thing I can always think of. Whenever a student asks me, like, what should I be studying? My first answer is, do you know your amino Because <laughs> that's, no that's something you need to know. Yeah. So here's a question for you. So this this question at the end of the day is a pseudo discrete, right? It's it's saying yeah. di- disulfide links. Where do you get them from? What amino acids? Uh, in my Facebook group recently, someone posted, oh my gosh, guys, someone recommended that in ChemFizz, specifically ChemFizz, not the other sections, but specifically ChemFizz, don't read the passages, go straight to the questions, find the answer if you need to in the passage, but but don't read the passages, they're a waste of time. And and she posted that and she said, I tried it for the first time, my score went up five points from the highest I've ever scored before. That could be the case. That's something that I don't know if that's going to happen with every student. <laughs> she said, like within that, like, oh, it's a waste of time to read the passage. If timing is your issue, I actually think that that's an acceptable strategy in the sciences because there are questions that you need to know from outside Mm -hmm. and you just like it's a pseudo discrete. Um, However, if you have the time, there are going to be some questions that you do have to get from the passage. And so just completely skipping the passage. I don't know if I can like completely endorse that. That's definitely not a way to get a 528. But if you're only answering like two thirds of the questions because you don't have time to get to the other third, then maybe that strategy actually would be beneficial to you. Um, I want to be really clear. Only in the sciences would that even be possible. In the cars section, they're asking you, (laughs) what did the passage say? And so you have to read the passage to answer those. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question. I talk about with my students pretty frequently to just be like, ah, you know, if you're like crammed on time. If you have like five minutes left and a passage left, try to answer the questions without reading the passage. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good plan B. <laughs> All right. Question 36 here. Which of the following correctly identifies a chiral center in beta ODAP? That's fun to say. Yeah, it is. It's a lot, right. a lot more fun than the other name. Yes. And so obviously if you're listening to this on the podcast, it's kind of hard to see um, all of these um, episodes that we're doing for full length one we're recording as well for YouTube. So go check out YouTube. You can see these things, these structures here. 
And we're looking at this beta ODAP uh, structure from figure one of the passage with different arrows pointing to the different, um, I don't know what you call those, different what? I don't know. I just say different carbons or atoms. Yeah. Uh, different carbons here. So answer choice A we have the the arrow pointing to this carbon that's attached to the double bond oxygen and alcohol group. Answer choice B, arrows pointing to uh, this NH2 amino. Is that what it is? Amino group? Amino. Um, yeah. Note that every amino acid has that amino group, which is why it's called mm. an amino acid. Uh-huh. It's also got that carboxylic acid, the C double bond OOH on the far right. So that's why they're called amino acids, because they all have an amino group and a carboxylic acid, and then nice. some other thing, as it's our group. Okay. Um, answer choice C is the glutamate, which is interesting. So yeah. that that seems to be a <laughs> an outlier, but like, wait, that's not even the right molecule that they're asking right, me about. Exactly. So easy to cripple that one out. Yeah. All right. So I got I got seventy five percent chance now. Um. Uh. And then answer choice D. It's pointing that. Uh. Yeah. So that's pointing to the the just the carbon in the middle. Uh. That is in the middle. I don't know. Um, so chiral center, so chiral is, that's where you have like the left and right where, where things are like mirror images, right? Samuel L. Jackson and Samuel D. Jackson or whatever those, (laughs) (laughs) I love that meme. Um, so the, the question is, where is the mirror image? If I rotate it around, where's the mirror image? So not just a mirror image, but something that is capable of having a mirror image and being a different molecule, like switching from the R to the S. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to have to be a carbon that's attached to four different groups. Um, Because if it's attached to just three things, it's not a, or like two of the things are the same, um, then it's not going to be a chiral center. So chiral center, I know we've covered this a ton and it's always good to just continue beating it in look for the atom that's attached to four different things. Right, right. There's also another shortcut that I think we've mentioned before. We've mentioned if it has that little dotted lines on it, on the... Yeah, the The dashes or the wedges. Yes. Um, But here, although this has the wedges because it is on there. So if it's a wedge, then... It would be answer choice B because the the wedge is attached to this amino group, the amino. Um, answer choice C is attached to the amino too, but that's the wrong molecule. So that's kind right. of the you're trying to trick someone into picking C. So I, I would go with B. I, f- I forgot about that trick with the wedges. Yeah, the dashes and the wedges. I don't know why the AAMC does it, but they do it all the time. They leave in the dashes and wedges and ask you what's chiral, and you're like, uh, the one with the dash or the wedge. Because <laughs> that's the only only reason you would ever show a dash or a wedge is if it's important, if it's coming towards you or away from you, which means it's a chiral center. Okay. Um, answer choice A is that carbon is connected to three things because one yep. of them is a double bond, so it's only connected to three things. Yep. D is connected to four things, but two of them are hydrogens, yep. so they're the same, so we can eliminate that. Okay. Yep. I would I would have gotten to that answer. 
yeah. <laughs> without the uh, the dash in the wedge. Okay, 37, go ahead. So, uh, the meal that the scientists provided to each of the volunteers at time 10 hours contained five eggs weighing 50 grams each. Approximately how much methionine was served to each volunteer? So, we got 10 milligrams, 1,000 milligrams, 3,000 milligrams, and 6,200. <laughs> 62,000. 62,500. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 10 hours. So time equals 10. I don't think that time really matters. Um, we are told that each egg contains 400 milligrams per 100 grams of weight. So that's in the passage. Um, so it's just something I remember that was there. So five eggs is 250 grams of egg. Um, and so we would take the 400 times 2.5 and end up with about a thousand, right? Or a thousand. Yeah. So answer yeah. choice B. Yep. Very good. Just some straight stoichiometry. Also, that's a pretty big meal. Five egg omelet. <laughs> so, those guys are full. They're bodybuilders. Yeah, exactly. Raw. Yeah, they, they ate them raw too. Just drank them. <laughs> cool. So pretty straightforward. Um, and, and this is one potentially, right? If you don't read the passage, you go, okay, wait, five eggs, 50 grams each. And then you just go, you look for 100 gram, four, 400 milligram. You just try to find, find yeah, those things. Yeah, you got to have some conversion the, factor somewhere in the passage. Yep. Okay. Question 38. The data presented in figure two, which is this graph here, most strongly supports which conclusion? A, beta ODAP effects on plasma methionine levels are strongest at the T equals two to T equals three hour mark. So T equals time, obviously. Um, B, the sulfur-rich meal demonstrated no significant effect on elevating plasma methionine levels to baseline. C, the largest increase in methionine plasma levels after the sulfur-rich meal occurred between hours 11 and 12. And D, the active compound in L. sativus seeds has a biological half-life of one hour. So, which answer choice supports most strongly supports so some of them may be a little bit true and yeah maybe it lends to that but which one most strongly supports so that's i always try to make sure i'm i'm answering the right question not trying to trick me up here right uh so beta odap effects on plasma methionine levels which is basically what this graph is uh our strongest at two to three hour mark and so looking at it there's a precipitous drop in the the methionine levels around that time. Um, so that seems like a good answer, right? That's correct, but is it the most strongly supported? Um, B, the sulfur-rich meal demonstrated no significant effect on elevating plasma methionine levels to baseline. Um, uh, I would say that is seems correct as well but again if we went out to 30 hours maybe there's a huge increase and it just took longer to (laughs) to digest so maybe it looks true right now but does it really support that i don't know uh c the largest increase in methionine plasma levels after the sulfur rich meal occurred between hours 11 and 12 and there is a little bit of a spike there but 
there's a much bigger increase, although it just is a, takes a longer time over the, the course of that first 24 hours or the, the 10 hours or so after that. So I don't know if that is really supported. And then D, the active compound in outside of a seeds has a biological half-life of one hour. I don't know how that's supported at all. Um, obviously, it's working uh, a lot after that. Um so I would go with A, just because A seems to be the most drastic, right? The the strongest drop in that methionine is is that kind of two to three hour mark. Yeah, that's when we're getting this drop. The thing is, the drop continues for a while. <laughs> yeah, right. Like we we never get back to baseline anywhere in the figure, mm-hmm. and so we're not sh- certain that like this like is weaker at four hours or five hours because it's still it's still low. At that point, we would need to see like, oh, it drops and it's really low at two to three hours and then starts to creep up after that. And then I would be like, oh, yeah, these seeds are dropping this. And then this like that, like the L side of this is like going away. And so our methionine levels are creeping back up. But we can tell that like that, that like meal full of methionine that didn't really elevate our our methionine levels that much. So we can't we can't say that like, oh, this only had an effect or its strongest effect was at the two to three hours because it seems like we're still having an effect, you know, a day later. Mm. We're, we're never like getting back to that same level. Um, which is also the same reason you kind of want to eliminate D as well because mm. we have no idea what the half-life is on this. They don't they don't give us any information. Um, we'd need all sorts of extra data to figure that affinities and K-cats of the enzymes and all this crazy stuff. And they don't give us any of those things. So we're we're, we're safe eliminating that so which kind of takes us down to b and c looking at c the the tricky bit here is these confidence intervals Mm. right so going from like hour six to hour 25 it could have actually dropped in that window Mm -hmm. because because of the way the confidence intervals are set up at like hour six it looks like it's somewhere between you know seven hours and 13 hours it or uh, milligrams mm-hmm. of methionine. It could be seven. It could be 13. It's somewhere in there. I'm not really sure. I know it's between those two, but I don't know where it is. It could have been at 12. Yep. And then at 25 hours, it could have been at nine. And we just can't really say anything about this. Yep. So um, the only thing we can say is that uh, it seems like there wasn't that significant of an effect um, because confidence intervals stay overlapped. So the correct answer for this one's going to be B. Um <sighs> That that confidence interval stuff gives everyone a hard time because it looks like it goes up. It looks like it goes down. But like looking at those areas and the confidence intervals, I can't really make any claims about anything going on from five hours to 25 hours because none of the confidence intervals overlap. Or they all overlap. Okay. Hmm. Okay. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit tricky. Data can be a little misleading if you... Just look at just the points on a graph instead of the the um, confidence intervals. Yeah. Okay. So this takes us to 39. So the researchers originally wanted to recruit additional volunteers with sulfur-deficient diets for this study. What is the most likely reason this request was refused? So mm-hmm. we have, it's difficult to find patients with sulfur-poor diets in the area the study was conducted. The researchers found many willing participants who had sulfur-rich diets, and it therefore seemed appropriate for that to be the focus. The mechanism of how l sativus affects sulfur-deficient patients is already clear, and the health risks of providing l sativus to sulfur-deficient patients were too high. 
I, I think it seems pretty obvious the answer choice D, right? It's just from a moral yeah. and ethical standpoint. Be like, yeah, we don't want to kill our patients. Right. The L satavus <laughs> makes your levels of methionine drop. The levels of like sulfur containing amino acids drop. If you're already low, that's going to be a more severe problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other ones don't really make sense that much either anyway. Um, like it's difficult to find patients with a sulfur poor diet. That's not really a good reason to just like say like, Oh, you know, I'm trying to study this disease, but I have a hard time finding people with the disease. So I'm just not going to study it. Yeah. Right. Like that isn't, that's not a very, you know, sound reasoning. Um, and also B like the researchers found many willing participants that had sulfur rich diets, right? Yeah. Like, most of the people who wanted to be in my study didn't have diabetes. So I'm only studying people who don't have diabetes <laughs> for my diabetes medication, right? Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense. Doesn't make um, sense either. But so the risk C is pretty severe. C is like the, the potential one that I think a lot of students will pick because it's like, Oh, the mechanism of how it affects sulfur deficient patients is already clear. And students will jump at that because we have can see in the chart that l sativus does hurt sulfur deficient Habits, patients, right. but we don't know the mechanism of that, right? And so right. we know it happens, but we don't know why, which is a lot of things in medicine. Um, yeah. And so answer choice C is the, is the kind of tricky one here. Yeah. That also kind of asks the question of like, if we're already really clear on all the mechanism, then why are we studying it in the first place? Yeah. Right. Like, obviously we're doing research on these seeds and like, maybe we should figure out like the only reason we're doing it is because we need to figure out more about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's work on growing other seeds that, uh, right. <laughs> other beans that don't kill people. Um, okay, cool. And then right. that's it. That's it for that passage. Moving on to one of my favorite passages of this exam next. All right. So there you have it. Passage seven, full length one from Blueprint MCAT. Again, blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. You can sign up for a diagnostic, the first full length, which is what we're covering here on the podcast for free, as well as some other goodies. Blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT podcast. This is MedEd Media.